Um, I am going to be reading today from Luke chapter 13, verses 18 through 21. So, fairly short little passage, but with uh, lots of truth uh, to, to give us today. So, <clears throat> Luke 13. Again, Luke is probably my favorite gospel. Uh, the mustard seed in the leaven. Jesus said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Here ends the reading of God's word. So uh, when we talk about the kingdom of God, I think we have to try and at least take a moment uh, to define it before we dig into how it, how it works. Uh, to put it in a way that, that we all, I think, would understand, we, when we use the term kingdom of God, really what we're talking about is just the reign of God, the rule of God, the rulership of God over all creation. Uh, Jesus spoke about this, uh, this kingdom often in his ministry, even beginning his ministry with the words, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is the very manifestation of the kingdom of God. Jesus is on the throne. Uh, Jesus does reign over the world. Uh, but as his disciples and everyone around him found out, uh, the kingdom did not come in the way they expected it was entirely different uh, from what they had pictured. And frankly, that fact has not changed even to this day. Um, so what we can learn, uh, so, so the question today in the brief time we have is what we can learn from the mustard seed and the yeast in our parable today, or the leaven, about how the, the kingdom of God actually operates. And, uh, and the first thing I think you notice in the passage is that the kingdom really operates from the outside. It comes from the outside first. Uh, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, one of the first things he told them in the Lord's Prayer was to ask for God's kingdom to come and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, why would he instruct us to pray such a thing? Well, it's fairly simple. Um, because no human being naturally has God reigning in their hearts as king. Uh, unfortunately, we bear the marks of our first father, Adam, uh, through his disobedience to God. Uh, he essentially chose to try and usurp the throne, to be king himself rather than let God rule as king over his life. And we all, uh, according to the scriptures, have chosen the same path. Uh, every time we do something that we know God has said not to do, or think thoughts that God has said not to think, or say things that God has said not to say, uh, we show that naturally we do not possess the kingdom within. There is not, as uh, some optimistic New Agers might say, a spark within each one of us. Uh, there is not a desire to be like God inside of us, except, uh, it, except when we can be that God. Uh, we want to be Lord. The scripture even says that there is no one who seeks God, not one. And so like a child refusing to do what their mom and dad told them to do, uh, we do not submit to God's reign. 
by our nature. Like the garden, uh, like the bread, the mustard seed, and the yeast must be planted from the outside. The kingdom must come extra nos, as the reformers would have put it. It must be inserted from outside of us, or as Luther called it, an alien righteousness. Uh, and the good news in this parable is that we are shown, um, we are shown that God does do that. Uh, in order to save his creation, he graciously plants the seed of uh, the mustard seed, uh, mixes in the yeast of his kingdom in our lives, um, and he does it entirely externally. And so, uh, so the, the kingdom comes from outside of us. The righteousness of Jesus Christ that we need in order to submit to the rule of God, the kingdom of God, must be planted in us. That happens by the Spirit through the preaching of the, the Word and the administration of the sacraments. That's how this gets done. Now, uh, secondly, uh, we, we can also see God's kingdom operates by uh, starting small. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed. Um, if you have, uh, you know it's not easy to, to, to see it. Uh, and I think it's interesting that when, when Jesus decides how to describe the kingdom to us, he uses the smallest known seed at the time. Uh, same idea with the leaven. The leaven is hardly anything in comparison to the amount of bread. And surely uh, this picture of the kingdom of God uh, must have been pretty disappointing to the disciples as they were gathering around Jesus. Uh, no doubt most of them uh, were staking their lives on the idea that Jesus, as the Jewish Messiah, was going to rise up a large army, kick out the imperialist Roman powers, and set up his throne to rule a world uh, of peace forever, at least peace in Jerusalem. Um, the kingdom should be like a mighty redwood tree in our thinking. Strong, impossible to cut down, and imposing. But again, that's not the picture Jesus uses. And I wonder if the the description of the apparent smallness of God's kingdom is disappointing to us too. Uh, I think I think it is most of the time. We'd like God to rule by placing the right leaders in political office so they can pass laws to make this country great. Uh, the constant temptation is to try and bring the kingdom from the top down rather than the bottom up. But that's not how God's kingdom operates. God's kingdom looks, frankly, most of the time, pretty unimpressive. It looks like a mustard seed that you barely notice. It's, it's, it is growing, but it doesn't seem to be very impressive. Um, you know, when I think about a time in my life where I, the smallness of God's kingdom and the way it operates really made an impression on me, uh, when, I was a, when I was a little guy, when I was a little boy, I never wanted to go to church. Not unusual for little boys. Uh, but there was a time uh, when I was five or six that I actually remember wanting to go. And the reason I wanted to go at that time is because in the children's ministry at this particular church, there was a young adult named Steve. I don't know his last name. I don't know what happened to him. But for some reason, Steve took me under his wings. And um, I don't really remember anything he said to me nor do I remember really much about him. I remember what he looked like a little bit. He had red hair and an afro. Um, but all I know is that because he's so nice to me, uh, for a short time I actually wanted to come to church. 
that's the kingdom of God operating in a small, seemingly unimpressive way with a little kid. It was just a guy saying, hey, um, I like you. I want you to be here. Uh, nothing, nothing fancy, nothing gigantic, not a redwood tree, but a mustard seed. This is the way it's always been. It's the way it always will be. The first disciples were a ragtag bunch of fishermen, ex-tax collectors and zealots. The people Jesus healed were not people of great cultural influence most of the time, but they were oddballs and they were strangers and they were outcasts. And even our Lord himself, we're told by Isaiah, had nothing attractive in his appearance that would draw people to him. If we look at it from the perspective of the average person in the first century, uh, there could be nothing seemingly more insignificant than a Jewish man from a small corner of Israel that was murdered by crucifixion. But that again is how the kingdom of God operates. That's how he does his work. And yet, and yet, even as I say, yes, it's unimpressive looking, it doesn't do much, it is growing. The good news is God's kingdom will grow. Uh, as Jesus goes on to tell us in the parable, the mustard seed starts off tiny and infinitesimal, but grows into the biggest, uh, biggest plant in the garden, uh, or the biggest tree in the garden. Birds are perching uh, on its branches. The yeast eventually uh, takes over the bread it was, it was uh, placed into. And that indeed is what we do see throughout history, how the kingdom of God is operated. Jesus did not end up a murdered Jewish rabbi, but he rose from the dead, defeating the powers of the world, the devil, and the flesh. Uh, the church was a small, insignificant group of people, but just 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, it had grown to thousands. Uh, by the end of the first century, the mighty Roman Empire, who the people so wanted Jesus to defeat, were defeated not by armies and kings of this world, but by the simple preaching of the gospel that Jesus had lived, died, and rose again for the salvation, for the forgiveness of sinners. And it was through that message <laughs> that the Roman Empire's hearts were converted and transformed and changed. Now, here, let me just wrap this up here for you. Uh, you personally uh, may not sense all the time, maybe most of the time, uh, that God is working his kingdom in your life. You may find yourself much more aware of the ways it seems he uh, isn't manifesting himself through you uh, than the ways he is. You still struggle with uh, stubborn sins. Your attitude doesn't seem to be all that different on a regular basis but let me just assure you based on this parable and based on what the rest of scripture says that he is working he is working his kingdom is present it's it's it might be small it might seem very insignificant but he is working and he is growing his kingdom within you because uh, Paul, Paul tells us, it's a guarantee, uh, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. That's how the kingdom operates, and you can rest assured in that. Have a great day.